0: you've been a Christian many years, I don't think what I have to say this morning is going to be new, but it's something we need to be reminded of from time to time. It is critical to a biblical view of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I have two texts for you. They're pretty close. And the Spirit used Paul to write both of them. The first is in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 5. The second is in the Colossian letter, chapter 2, verse 9. Yeah, they both have to do with the Lord, which is how we ought to be focused. We ought to be on that frequency. We ought to be thinking... As the Lord. Some people are jealous of the Lord because he had these great powers, his presence and all of that. But we're to follow his example. What was this one we call Jesus of Nazareth? I want this morning to talk about his humanity. Because there have historically been some people that, well, he didn't really come like one of us. Yes, he did. Absolutely. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Do you ever think of Jesus as a man? Not to. He didn't come as a squirrel. He didn't come as a head of cabbage. He didn't come as a mountain or a cloud. He came as a man. Absolutely. No question about that. In fact, as Paul tells the Colossians in chapter 2 and verse 9, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You know what that's saying in just a few words? It takes me more words to say it than Paul is writing right here. Everything about God that could be displayed in human form, that's Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we imagine if if we could somehow be a giant, you know, if you could be 40 feet tall, how strong you could be, how fast you could move, what powers you might possess, but we're never going to be four feet tall. On the other hand, we think about, imagine if you could take The power of the strongest man on earth and put it in a creature the size of an ant. Think of how powerful I would... They tell me that if humans had the power that ants have in proportion, they could be out there, they could pull a freight train going down the way. And so we realize compared to God... We're wimps. We're not ten foot tall and bulletproof. We can't do so much. We won't last so long. But the eternal God, not the one we know as the Father, not the one we know as the Spirit, but the Son, the second person of the Trinity, reduced to a man. He wasn't a hamster. He wasn't a pine tree. Some people have tried to portray Jesus in different ways. One famous author in the world that he created in his fiction spoke of the son of the emperor over the sea, and he came as a lion. And according to the book of Revelation, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But that's speaking in a figurative sense. We want to talk about the fact that Jesus Christ was in bodily form. He was everything you can say about God. But this morning I want to talk about His humanity. You know, we, as God's people, we've been born again, we have two natures. We have the nature that we have had all of our breathing days sinners I'm talking to a bunch of sinners today and it's a sinner that's talking to you but if the Lord has come to you if by the Holy Spirit you have been born again you have two natures. I appeal to that godly nature. Because that human, that fallen, that sinful nature doesn't appreciate the things of God. You'd rather hear about anything and everything else but spiritual things. I'm not here to feed the flesh. All told the Romans, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. There's some places, like, might be better to call them religious societies, they feed the flesh. And I'm not talking just by putting food in your mouth. They stroke egos, they make us feel good. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, when we see ourselves as God's people have seen themselves, We can appreciate those who say, I repent in dust and ashes. There's no good that emanates out from the natural man that is Steve Raines. And honestly, there isn't from you either. If you say, if you do, if you think, if you feel anything that is godly, it didn't come out of your wicked heart, your foul mind. Don't take that personally because it's true about all of us. But it's the new man, the renewed, the one that is given of the Spirit. But just as it's true about us, we think about the Lord. Now, the Lord was just as human as any of us except He was without sin. When God was pleased to form Adam from the dust of the ground, he didn't have a flaw about him. God said, It's good. (coughs) It's a good part of the creation. Man, people talk about the free will of man. Oh, man did have a free will until he died spiritually. Sometimes we soften and we speak about the fall. It doesn't say in Adam's fall we sinned all. Not in the Bible. Somebody decided it. sounded very in rhyme. But it's not really the fall. It's the spiritual death. Paul tells Romans, in one man we die, in another man we live. The second man, the last man if you will, Now, through the centuries, there have been some people that said, well, if he was God, he couldn't really be a man. They thought they were in the know. The Greek word for knowledge, if we pronounce all the letters, would be gnosis. But you... Can know that if you look in the sword, you don't always say all the lectures, some of them are silent. As you can know. If you look in the sword. Even if you have just a knife, you can know that, don't you? And so we don't pronounce the G. Although, Marcia and I knew a preacher who would know just enough to get himself in trouble. So I was reading about those Gnostics the other day. <laughs> now, now, you don't say the G. Now, interestingly, if you put the negative A on the front, if a person says, and by the way, is there anyone here who's a theist? Raise your hand if you're a theist. Only Two? We we'll only have two theists in here. I didn't look. What well, are you doing? All, right, all right. What's wrong with these people? They're theists, and they're in church. That's where a theist ought to be, because a theist believes there's a god. It's the negating. You know, I'm an atheist. I didn't ask you for an atheist. I asked you for <laughs> a theist. The negating a changes the whole thing. If I said how many of you are atheists, I hope, don't even raise your hand because you're saying, by the I don't believe there's any God with negating A in front of Gnostic. That's why we do pronounce the G, because it's not the first letter, it's not silent anymore. That's why we call them Agnostics. Because the agnostic, if you ask them, is there a God? Well, I don't know. So they don't know. You don't know! The Gnostics said, you can't really know. But they thought they could interpret Scripture by their own intellect, by their own traditions. That's one of the things that the Spirit emphasizes, especially in the book of Colossians. When Paul said of Jesus, in Him, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Not just an idea, not just a presence, not just an aspiration, but very God of very God. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, the gospel is such. Let me just show you that. 1 Timothy. A lot of people know 2 Timothy 3.16. But 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy great, is the mystery of godliness. God on display. How? Well, look at the creation again. That shows a lot. Psalm 19 says, "The Heavens declare the glory of God. But He especially displayed Himself. God was manifest in the flesh. Now, well, I saw an angel. That's not the same thing. His creativity, his, his design, his ingenuity, all the variety. We see the sounds and the colors and the shapes and the textures and all of that. That's amazing. It is, but God was manifest in the flesh. There are some religionists that say, well, yeah, there's a God, but Jesus wasn't really God. Yes, he was. And we'll talk more about that more really next week, but he was also a man. <coughs> In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Mm-hmm. The reality of the doctrine of the humanity of Jesus Christ is clearly and consistently taught in the Word of God. Go with me please to the first epistle of John. John wrote not only the great gospel that bears his name, but three letters. In the first letter, look at chapter 4. How seriously should we take the proposition to say absolutely (coughs) Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. If you waffle on that, you've caved to the devil and his crown. That's what John's saying right here. 1 John 4. Look at verses 2 and 3. you got to write the book, folks. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. We're talking about the Spirit this morning. See how we talk about how these things work together? Sometimes we wonder, you think maybe somebody will ask a question? Sometimes these questions. That's why I kind of held back a little bit because I had an idea I was going to speak about this. The Lord had so impressed me. Have I known ye the Spirit of God? Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. You talk to some philosopher. Well, he was a good teacher. Was he the son of God? No, I don't think so. They didn't get that fool. Oh. This is the litmus test, one of many. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. You get around to somebody who says, well. He wasn't really God. I was talking to a Muslim once and he said, how could God have a son? That sounds like Greek mythology. I said, just because the devil planted a bunch of counterfeits out there doesn't mean there isn't a real thing. That's right. We got to know that, folks. Sometimes people hear something that's kind of sore about Christianity and the devil has some counterfeit, some distraction, Some illusion. You know how a magician works? Nothing here. Nothing here. And when he's making you look here, he's got something going on over there. <coughs> Sleight of hand. Cutting craftiness. Stick to the book. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ come up is not of God. Well, who could be the source of that? That's a good question. We don't have to go far to find the answer. Just read the rest of this verse. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Oh, I've heard about anger. One of these days, he's going to come. We better be on the lookout because one of these days, there's going to be an Antichrist. Again, keep reading, folks. And even now, already, is it in the world? was Antichrist's spirit when John was moved of the spirit to write these things Antichrist is not a Johnny come lately you said, I'm looking for him John knew he was already here and then in the second epistle of John it's in the first chapter if you have to assign it a chapter but the whole book's just one chapter if you will Second John, look at verse seven. For many deceivers are entered into the world, spiritual God-man. They're selling you a proposition that is anti-God. Who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh? Come on, you don't really believe Jesus was was God. That God could actually come in human form? Come as a man, absolutely. And if you don't believe that, here's what God says about you. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So it does make a difference what you believe. I hope you know that. Now, when you open your mind, you look in the New Testament the first book you come to is Matthew. What's the first chapter of Matthew about? Before it even gets to the birth of Christ, it talks about his genealogy. The son of Abraham, the son of David, and it traces through humans. Some people have pets that have a pedigree. Somebody told me once, i got a dog that's got a better pedigree than you do. Well, i might be, by the way, you measure some things because they got their papers. But when Jesus Christ came in this world, he wasn't a nobody in the sense that he had no ancestry. So Matthew, emphasis to the Jews in his gospel, says he's the son of Abraham. Son of David, just like the Old Testament had said, said time after time, Abraham's son, Abraham's seed, and then narrows to the seed of David. And sure enough, you follow up those. I think there's 42 generations listed there in Matthew chapter one, and it gets down to the legal right. And then you go over to Luke. You see, Luke wasn't a Greek. I wasn't a Jew. He was a Greek. He was a doctor. He focused on the nuts and bolts of human body. I think that's one reason why the Holy Spirit had Luke to record the words of Jesus in Luke twenty-four when he appeared after his crucifixion and burial and resurrection. And he appeared to some folks. And somebody thought, It's a ghost, it's a spirit. It ain't a body. And I used to misquote this verse to say that Jesus said, Come here, you you can touch, because a spirit, and I would say, Spirit of the flesh and blood, as you see me have. Until somebody was listening. And knew their Bible and had the nerve to come up to the preacher and say, Actually, you misquoted that verse. What are you talking about? Well, what's this form there? Luke 24, verse 39. What did Jesus say? Jesus, even in the details. He was right on the money, folks. Luke 24. You might be there already. Verse 39. They were afraid. They supposed they had seen a spirit, it says in verse 37. And Jesus said, Why did trouble and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. Why didn't Jesus say flesh and blood like I misquoted? Do any idea? What happened to it? It was shed! It was shed. His blood is shed! Amen. Well how can he live without blood? The life of the flesh in our experience Is in the blood. You lose enough blood. You lose too much of the red. You're going to be dead. That's just a fact of biology. The doctor says, well, if he hadn't lost five quarts of blood, he might have survived. But Jesus' blood was poured out at a place we call Calvary. And that's a picture of what we call the gospel of good news. That's what thrills our hearts. Jesus became man and poured out his blood. He didn't need that blood in his resurrection body. And that suggests to me we probably won't need blood in our resurrection body either. I don't think we'll need hospitals, will we? We won't need a lot of stuff that we put so much stock in now. Luke was the doctor. He was the Greek. And so, when he talks about the genealogy of Jesus, he doesn't go back just to David. He doesn't go back just to Abraham. He goes all the way back to Adam. Because when God made Adam, he already knew what the Son of Man was going to look like. Adam was the pattern. And Jesus was what we would call the fulfillment, the real thing. The type, the pattern, and then the fulfillment in Christ. So we get our theology straight. We look at all the Word of God. But we looked to Christ. What did Jesus say about himself? What did others say about Him? Jesus wasn't shy about the fact that He was a man. And yet, He didn't sin like men. John 8.40 As He was being taunted by these leaders, He said, Now you seek to kill Me, a man that has told you the truth. I'm not just some... Spirit emanating out there and touching your brain in the sense that some space man would... No, I'm a man standing before you, speaking these words, and you can hear them loud and clear. A man that had told you the truth, which I have heard of God. Not even Abraham could or would or did do that. That's our Lord here. In the Book of Acts, chapter two, we're talking about that. This particular chapter in Sunday school this morning. You suppose that was in the province of God? Yeah. yeah. So, if you show up and you wonder what goes on before the preaching, we, we have some, we have some time, like they used to say. Acts chapter two and verse twenty-two. What did Peter say? Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man, not an angel, not an influence, not a magic form, a man, approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by Him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know. Loud and clear. Loud and clear. That's Peter. What Paul said. Romans chapter 5. would Romans chapter 5 verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead... Much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ. Somebody said, like, Well, I believe in Abraham. Abraham was great, but he wasn't as great as this Have abounded unto many. And then in the next book that he wrote, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We call this the resurrection chapter. And you can probably figure out why. Here's the principle. Man made the problem. And Christ was man to be the solution. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. So very clear in the Word of God. The humanity of Christ. You don't want to be a Gnostic or a Gnostic or an Agnostic. You want to be a theist. Not even a deist because a deist, there's, there's some great superpower that created everything, but he's not other other face to front. So he doesn't work miracles and he do not want to bother with prayer and don't expect him to be involved in your daily life. You can't know him personally. Now that's what the deist says. But we're not deists. We are theists. So I am a theist. But don't put the two words together and call it atheist. Because that's wrong. I'm not, and I don't think you are either. And of course, in John's Gospel, the first chapter, what do we read we read about the Word. Um, Brother Kenny talked about the Word. Just, see how big to you? Somebody's got something going on here. And I'm, I'm just one to observe it. I hope we can all appreciate that. It tells us in the beginning was the Word. And that's not talking about this book. It's talking about the Word of life. Jesus Christ. The Word was with God. The word was God, not just one around God, but he was by his very nature God. But that's to get ahead of things. But drop down to verse 14. And the Word, not talking about the Bible here, the Word, the one, who's the same word mentioned in verse 1, was made flesh not a walking Bible Jesus was the word in this sense and dwelt literally he tabernacled among us we saw him we heard him our eyes saw our ears heard and we could appreciate just like us he was a man and we beheld his glory the glory as the only begotten of the father Full of grace and truth. And then, surprise, John echoes that again. And first John. John the beloved apostle. How does he open his first letter here? That which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands are handled of the word of life. The Bible is the word, it's called the word of truth. But Christ is the word, called here the word of life. <laughs> Can you appreciate that? Go back to the Gospel of Matthew, please. Now sometimes people get some ooky, spooky ideas about Jesus. And one group, I wouldn't have to go far well I stepped out of my house to find folks who believed that when Jesus was little he would make things out of the mud and toss them up in the air and he'd turn into birds you know and flew away isn't that amazing but yet the scriptures say his first miracle was when he turned the water to wine so I think that was quite a while after the time he was but a babe but look at me please Matthew chapter 4, verse number 2. Jesus was man. A body that needed nourishment. If you skip a meal, that probably won't kill you. you skip too many meals, that won't kill you. Jesus skipped a lot of meals. A lot of days. And so, well, he was God. He could go forever without eating. that doesn't quite jive if he's fully human with what the scriptures say right here. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. I talked to a lady I knew years ago who would practice fasting. She said, sometimes I do it for spiritual reasons. Sometimes I do it for medical reasons. Sometimes I'm just not hungry. But she said, you can go 24 hours. And you feel a little bit miserable. But if you go a little bit longer, usually, my experiences is have I 72 hours, three full days, I lose hunger pains. I get thirsty, but uh, as far as food, my body, somehow the switch goes off. But my doctor made it very clear. She said, my pastor told me too. If that switch ever comes back on and suddenly I'm feeling hungry, that's when you better eat something. Because if you don't, your body's going to start consuming from within. That can be, that can do irreparable damage. That can be fatal. You can starve to death. So make sure that you listen to your body and I'm convinced when it says that he was afterward and hungered after 40 days I don't know but he had a whole lot of extra poundage he was carrying around in the first place 40 days humanly speaking if you didn't get something to eat but hunger pains had come back you better eat you're going to die the doctor would say and it's then that the devil came and says If you're really the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Feed your face. After all, you want to live, don't you? And in the light of that, Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Our priority is always to be. I'd probably have a big chunk of change if I had a dollar every time... So I wish to preach you in hurry up because I'm a dinner cooker. I gotta think about the food for the body. How about the food for the soul? Yeah. We sing a song sometimes, bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. They don't usually sing that as an invitation song because they're ready to leave. They want to get some chow in their mouth and take care of that. Look also at chapter 8 of Matthew. Verse 24. Was Jesus really God? Absolutely. He had a physical body that needed food and needed sleep. If You deprive yourself of sleep. You can get groggy. You can get goofy. You can see stuff out there that isn't there. Even without getting stuck between Jim and Beam, you can see some things that aren't there. You can get messed up. Jesus had a body that could become so tired, he would sleep. Now, some people are light sleepers. Marsha's a light sleeper. There's some kitty cat. She'll hear, she'll hear that. A lot of mornings I'll wake up but you, and that storm, it woke me up. I said, What's the, uh, I mean? It, 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 it had to bowl me out of bed to wake me up. Here was Jesus in a boat with a bunch of other fellows in a boat, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. They were just boop, 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 boop. no. And Water coming over on them. I bet you love them. We're <laughs> gonna die. Where was Jesus? But he was asleep. What? A body that needed sleep. In John chapter eleven. Here we have the Lord. And he used the term sleep to describe Lazarus. But they didn't understand he was speaking figuratively when he said this. So he had to say, plainly, Lazarus is dead. So Jesus came and he sees Mary and Martha. And he asked the sister, show me where you laid him." Verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her. He groaned in the Spirit. He said, what's wrong with these people? Don't they just God's in control? We know God's in control. But when we lose a loved one, it hurts. You might not show it on the outside. One thing I've learned about human nature, we all grieve different ways. You might grieve and cry an ocean of tears. You might not. I'm not going to judge another person and say, well, they haven't really grieved. We knew a dear lady lost her husband how many years back? Eight or nine years. He was gone, and she passed just last month. And last time we talked, she said, you know, I still haven't shed a tear for him. So, oh, what kind of a widow are you? You need to cry. Over. Some people don't cry. So don't judge somebody else. by How much or how little they may show. But I want you. When Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus, he said, "Hey, everybody dies. Come on, get real, people. You've got to accept the fact. No, he hurts." He groaned within his spirit. He said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And the shortest verse in our English Bible, but it packs quite a punch, Jesus wept. I don't know that the animals weep, do you? We had hamsters when we were kids. We had dogs when we were kids. And they might howl like they're in pain or whatever. They might do other things. But I don't know they ever saw a tear come down their face. But Jesus wept. You ever question the humanity of Jesus? You don't have to go far. And as he grew, as he developed, just like anybody else. You see, over in India, they think that their God was born and he was so let me see you see the color of kai's shirt back there sky shirt it's royal blue it's sky blue why you wore the blue right well they have a blue boy over there lord krishna and if you want to order lord krishna is look for the guy with blue skin was easy to spot Huckleberry Barry Campbell when I was a kid because he was the only dog with blue skin. If Jesus was standing with 99 other Jews if he were old blue boy Krishna he'd stick out like a sore thumb. But Jesus didn't stick out because he was so much. In the Gospel of Luke it tells us that when he was a child he came into this world and he grew in stature. God and man. Uh, seeing Him there. And He did suffer. You see, there are some people who say, say, well, you know, the deal with Jesus is He just put on a show to encourage us. No. He shed real tears. He bled real blood. He groaned in His spirit. He wasn't just putting on an act, folks. It was for real. As one guy says, he was the real deal. Look at chapter 22 of Luke, verse 44. He told his closest three, Peter, James, and John, fellas, pray. Pray like you've never prayed before. And he went off to pray. And what did he do? Did he twiddle his thumbs for a while? Okay, that should be enough time. No. He took it so seriously. I guarantee you we don't take prayer as seriously as the Lord did. We ought to. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And you gotta be careful to read this, because either way, there are people that mess this up. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. I can't think of too many times. I prayed like that. You probably can't think of too many times. You prayed like that. It was an intense experience. He was moved. It showed even in his body. This is the one Paul said, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem us from under the law. The same law given to Moses. The same law given to the Hebrew people. The same law advocated for centuries. Christ said, ah, don't worry about that. No. He kept every point of the law. He did what was right. He did it without sin. He suffered and He died. Who was He that died? He was the God-man. Now there is one very special difference between him and our deaths. It says of him, he said, no man takes my life. I lay it down and I take it up again. We need to know that that's so. He gave up his spirits. But had he not been man, Taking the place of men. He was not a sinner. I think I told you about an article I read when the guy said we need to be thankful for the sinner on the center cross. That's a wrong way to put it. He became sin for us, but he was not a sinner. He did never practice. And there's a story going around among some people. See, we preach what's called the impeccability ever heard that word impeccability it's a fancy word to mean he did not sin he could not sin he would not sin but there's some people say well you see jesus was an example to us and the interesting thing is he could have sinned but he consciously chose not to that sounds pretty pious but it's wrong he knew no sin. Some people came to him trying to catch him. He says, He said, I do always that which pleases my father. They couldn't say that. You can't say that. I can't say that. We need a savior. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, needed a savior. That's right. And if you're here today without the free pardon of Jesus Christ, You can't save yourself. You say, I love my mama and my papa. That's good, but they can't save you from your sin. Well, I go to this church. They're good people. I don't say anything negative about them, but they don't have the ability to save you. I had a dream about an angel. No angel's going to save you. There's no power but God himself. And I want you it wasn't the Father who died on the cross. We talked a lot about the Spirit this morning. It wasn't the Spirit who died on the cross. It was the God-man. He had to be man to identify with us. The perfect man. In order for us to identify with him. But he also had to be God. That's why we began with 1 Timothy 2, 5. There's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We've talked about his humanity. The Lord gives me breath and sound mind. The Lord willing, I intend next week to talk about the deity of Christ. Because when you have the truth, You get some folks that are messed up over here. Those are those Gnostic, or like some people say, Gnostics. They deny that he came with the flesh. He wasn't really a man. He was. But then there are other people say, yeah, he was a man. Like they had in a blasphemous play of my youth, so-called Jesus Christ Superstar, in which a woman sings, he's, a man he's just a man no jesus was more than just a man That's right. very god and very god be thinking about this week the lord willing i want to address that but for now let's stand and have a song